This morning, if you could, let's turn over to Mark chapter 6. So glad our visitors are here and so excited to see that. And uh, we appreciate you. I want to get around and shake hands with all of you here in a few minutes. Mark chapter 6, we're going to look at the first six verses. We'll read a few more, but we're just going to look at six. And sometimes that means I preach quicker and sometimes it doesn't. So we hopefully it's one of the quicker. So. Uh, but these are, are very good verses. Mark chapter 6. If you've got it, if you'd stand for the reading of your word. If you don't have it, it's right here on the, it'll be here on the screen. Mark chapter 6 says, And talking about Jesus, And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, from whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hand? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus saith unto them, A prophet is not without honor but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could do there no mighty work, save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around the villages teaching. Today we're going to look at, for just a few minutes, rejecting the miracle God has for you. Rejecting the miracle that God has for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you, Lord, for your spirit and your presence that, Lord, we can feel in this place. And, and God, I thank you, Lord, that you are in this place, Lord, and we know we can identify. And God, I pray that, God, by your word, that you would move this morning and you would stir. And God, that you would show us that you're here to not just to be here, but God, you want to transform. You want to change. You want to do the miraculous. And God, it's us that limits your ability to do great and mighty things. And God, I pray Lord at this altar Lord there would be just Lord and mighty move of your spirit that we would see the transforming power of Jesus Christ that we would receive what you've come today to give us we wouldn't walk away from it oh Lord and we thank you right now for what you're going to do you move Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus amen you can be seated rejecting the miracle that God has for you do you know the Lord we feel his presence Hopefully you can feel His presence. He's here. He's within us. His Holy Spirit is moving this morning. And so He's here. And He doesn't come just to show up to take roll call. When the Lord shows up, He's here to do something. He's here to minister. If you look at these verses, when it starts in that verse 1 and it says, And He went out from thence. Where's thence? Where's He been? If you look at it, and Mark does such a great job of putting things in order. He does a great job of kind of telling you step-by-step, time frame, what Jesus does in an order. If you go back about three chapters, you're going to see that Jesus just fed the 5,000. What a miracle. What a miraculous thing. Now, these disciples that it says and his disciples follow him, they're witnessing all this. And so they see, in fact, he makes them part of the miracle. They're the ones passing it out. 
Now, they probably got pretty tired handing out all those thousands of people's worth of food, all from five loaves and two or five, is it, yeah, five loaves and two fishes. And we see that he broke and broke, and he did a great miracle. It says, if you read in, in Mark's gospel, it says that whenever that happened, then the, and then the disciples go out onto the sea, and that Jesus goes up and pray that the storm happens, and, and he says that Jesus walks on the water, and he rebuked the storm, and it stopped. It was as calm as glass. So they see that Jesus not only can meet people's physical uh, material needs, but even nature must bow to him. Wow, they got to see the mighty miracle. What a, what a man, what a God this is. What the Son of God is able to do. It doesn't stop there. It says immediately a ship was on the other side. And what do we see? Mark tells us tells about the demoniac, Legion, who's waiting and comes running to him. As soon as he gets there, here comes the demoniac that no man can tame. No chain is able to hold him. People, I can see people telling their kids, don't you get nowhere near that graveyard because there's a crazy man in there and he'll kill you. I can just see it happening. And this man was just, and he was crying out all hours of the day and the night and he was cutting himself with stones and he was miserable. And the Lord came and he runs to the Lord and he falls to him and the Lord cast out the thousands of demons in him. And he was found, when the people found him, they found him in his right mind and clothes. This man, what a transformation. Wow. What a move that God, the Lord Jesus, what power he's got. He gets back on the boat and he goes across back to the other side. And, and, and Mark tells that as soon as he gets there, they're waiting on him. And Jairus' daughter is dying and he, they're waiting for him. Please go meet this need. And so he's going to meet Jairus' daughter's need. On the way, we see a woman with an issue of blood. We see all these, it's like... Miracle after miracle. We see the woman with the issue of blood who comes to him and she says, if I could just touch him. I'm not going to say anything. I don't even have to, I don't have to tell him I need. If I can just touch him, I know I'll be made whole. And she gets down on her knees and she's crawling. All she does is touch the hem of his garment and immediately she's made whole. And then Jesus shows up at Jairus' house. They come and tell him, she's dead. Don't even worry about it. Don't bother me anymore. He goes and he raises the dead. He raises up the 12-year-old girl, the Jairus' daughter. And so these disciples have seen this shotgun miracle after miracle after miracle. And then you turn the page. By the way, there was no chapter breaks in the original text. And so the next verse after that says, And he went from thence. This, Jesus just left from doing all these wonderful things, meeting so many needs, every one of them getting to be more incredible than the one before. And these disciples are like, Man, what a mighty miracle working uh, uh, Lord we serve. And it says, And he went from thence, and he came into his own country. Now, when I'm seeing this, you've got to get in your mind, these disciples that are coming with him, they're probably thinking, This is his people. He's going home. Well, we've seen him do all these wonderful miracles for all these people around. Can you imagine what he's going to do when he gets home, when he gets to see kinfolk, and when he gets to see the people he grew up with? He loves them more than anybody else, and he knows them, and they know him, and he, we're going to see incredible miracles when he gets there. They're just expecting what he's going to do. Have you ever come into church expecting something? Maybe you had a great service than service before. God healed somebody. Or God doesn't. We need to have that. We need to see that on a regular basis, that when you come through the door, that you come in expecting. You're sitting on the edge of your seat saying, hurry up and get done with that song, because I can't wait to see what he's getting ready to do next. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way he wants it to be. And I, get, I can just see these disciples just waiting, just itching. Oh, it's going to be good. I can just tell it's going to be good. Same Lord, same power, 
He, and they watched him. And it says in that verse 2, and when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Oh, that's the way he always starts. Oh, he's teaching. And when they hear him, they're going to know, they're going to know who he is, and they're going to, there's going to be people with their needs met. And many, you've got to, you've got to get the, you've got to get the feel of what's going on. Let me tell you what's getting ready to happen here. We're going to find out that these people knew him better than anybody else. And we're going to see that there is a mindset that you can get. There is a mindset that you can get that the miracle can be right there in front of you. The miracle that God is ready to give you is going to be made available to you. It's yours. All you got to do is reach out and take it. And we can get a mindset that stops it dead in its tracks to where it's not available. You cannot touch him because of our mindset that we can get. And it says that they were listening to him. And they heard the same things that everyone else heard. When people heard Jesus preach and teach, their minds were just, oh my goodness, there is something different. about This is not just a normal rabbi. There is, there is life in his words. And so it's, that's what was going on. And they heard it. And then he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him hearing were astonished. Now, you, if you look at the real interpretation of many hearing him, it sounds like it's actually saying, you need to put the word the in front of hearing. This is the real interpretation. And the many hearing him were everybody. It's trying to tell us this picture. There were many people there that come to hear him. And they were all utterly amazed. Is what that word astonished. They were amazed at what they heard. But something happened. It says that because they knew him so well, it says that it says uh, uh, they started asking questions. They, they was thinking, my goodness, listen to what he's saying. There's something so powerful. And the word of God was going forth and God was ready to do mighty things in their life. But all of a sudden they started trying to think, but wait a minute, I know him. I watched him grow up. This can't, he can't be more. They kept him thinking of him as some little boy or something that they seen down, down the street. Some, some woman probably said, young man, I remember you. You grew up at the end of my street. And one of his cousins came over and says, remember, we used to go play in the, down on uh, uh, Blacksmith Alley down there. We used to play together. And, and they were reminiscing about when he was growing up. And they were not able to grasp who was in their presence. And so they was, they was listening to what he said. And it says, uh, they started questioning, saying, Basically, where is this man getting these things? How is he getting this knowledge? Where is this knowledge coming from? They started, they started not receiving him. And so we're going to see today, quickly as we go through this, we're going to see that there was four things that they did that kept them from getting their miracle. God was ready. Do you know the Lord came prepared? We're going to see he came prepared to meet their needs and to do mighty things, and they walked away from it. Because they couldn't receive it. And I don't want to be that person to you. I don't want to be, I don't want the Lord to be here today wanting to do something in my life or one of your lives. And, and I discount him or, I, or, or we're going to see that's the first thing is that the first thing they did and we miss it because they discounted. I couldn't find a better word because my words are deep. But they did, it means the same thing. They discounted Jesus. They discounted what, who he was. They took what he was saying and they listened to him and they did not let it have its full effect because they said, no, wait a minute, this can't be the Messiah. This is the, same. This is the boy that grew up down the street. In fact, some of them uh, probably remembered him growing up and they knew that there's, uh, there was even a scandal. We'll look at that in a minute. But we see that they discounted him and they would not believe what he had to say and they couldn't receive it even though their hearts burned within them. Even though they knew with their ears and their, 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 their hearts were just burning because what he was saying was so powerful. 
They wanted to reach out, but then all of a sudden they let their eyes deceive them and they said, because I can't see what he's saying, because I see who he used to be, because I can't wrap my mind around it, they, did, they couldn't receive what he had for them. So they discounted what Jesus had for them. Do you know they actually dishonored him? If you understand the culture, they said in verse 3, said, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? Now, in that culture, you was never referred to as the son of your mother. Not that it's bad or anything, but in that culture, you was always named or identified with your father. Even if Joseph, there's speculation at this point right here, if Joseph was still alive later, some, some writers said that a few verses down, there's something that was actually quoted that's, that insinuates he was. But even if his father, Joseph, had already passed on, he still would be called by his father's name. In fact, you get that. We see that in people's names when you hear the name uh, Bar, Barjona. The word Bar means son of. And so they would call you Bar, your dad's name, son of. Bar Jonah means son of Jonah. When uh, Bartimaeus was healed, his, 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 that wasn't his name. That was his father's name. It was son of Timaeus. That was what they called him in Scripture. His name, blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. And so that was the culture. So for them to refer to him, is this not the son, the carpenter, the son of Mary was for them to slander him. And in fact, in this statement, they could be referring to, oh, we remember you, and we remember that there was a, 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 a little scuttle that happened when you were born and some questions came up and, and we don't talk about it very much and they could have been even slandering him and saying, yeah, hey, there was controversy even with your birth. They dishonored him. Dishonoring someone is not giving them the worth that they truly deserve. Do you know we can dishonor Christ? We come into his presence and, and we pray and we seek him and we ask him to meet needs and, so, and unbelief can be so overpowering because we see God sometimes as, as a, a five foot ten, a uh, 180 pounds, gray-haired man with a beard and we see him as weak and indifferent. But when we get a picture of who tr God truly is, someone that who could speak universes into existence with just, the, just syllables from his mouth. We can dishonor him because of we don't give him credit for who he is. Do you know that miracles, I, I remember uh, sometimes that I'm amazed that when you hear in other countries, miracles are more profound there. I remember some of, some of the missions conference at First Pentecostal. Some of the, some of the, the, the uh, missionaries that lived in foreign countries could come and they would tell about God doing incredible, mighty things that would just blow your mind. I couldn't hardly believe it. I mean, it's all stuff that you wouldn't even, you, you'd only heard. Raise the dead. Raise the dead. Wouldn't we like to see that? But there was, uh, there was a, 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 one of B.H. Clendenin's, he, he had been gone, and, and he was putting on one of his uh, School for Christ, and, and all these uh, people in Asia was watching this, his tr going through his training, and every hour, I mean, every day they were praying for hours and going through this training, and they were training to be ministers. And there was one of them on his way that morning trying to get there. There was one of them that was on his little bike, and, and he got ran over with a car, and it killed him. 
And they brought him and they brought his body to the school where they were doing this class. And he had been dead for two hours. And they didn't give up. They said, this same Lord that we're training on here, this same God that we're studying here, can he not heal? Yes, he can. So they all started, they all started laying hands on him and praying and praying and calling out on God. And you know what happened? He raised up. What would we do? Well, wait, wait a minute, he's been dead two hours. You can't, you know, after seven minutes to ten minutes, your brain starts, you know, it's not going to come back and, and you're just a vegetable. We give up. Why? Because we get a mindset that says God can't do something. And we limit God to where we say, well, if we can't understand in our own mind what He can do, if we can't rationalize what He can do, then He can't do it. It's too hard for God. And all of a sudden, we have now limited God from what He's able to do. And He doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to realize He can do anything. And we can put our trust in Him. They would not look at Him and recognize Him as this could be the Messiah. Jesus himself said that, that, he, that, this, that you can't receive an, a, a prophet. It says in verse 4, And Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, and in his own house. It's kind of hard. You know, I was thinking about it. You know, we are in the house of God. And there is sometimes we can be in the house of God our whole lives, and we've heard and we've read the wonderful stories of God our whole life. And we read them and we know they're true. But we can sometimes get to where we limit God because we haven't seen Him do some of these things lately. We limit God what He wants to do because we are, we are limiting Him in our minds. So we can actually discount what He can do. We can dishonor Him by not believing who He is and what He's able to do. And then they discourage. They, there was discouragement. And he, verse 5, and he could there do no mighty work. Matthew's gospel says he could do no miracle there. That's what he said. He could do no miracle there. In fact, we see that a few, few sick folk got healed and he was probably on his way out of town. And someone who hadn't been in the crowd and he was able to reach over and touch him and touch them. This word, so we can, there was a discouragement. You know what? The discouragement that they had not only discouraged them from getting it, but it discouraged everyone else that heard. Because we see this word discouragement, this verb discourage means to deprive of confidence, hope or spirit to dishearten. Discouragement is one of the greatest tools of the enemy to keep you from receiving what God has for you. It's the enemy of our soul who tries to discourage us and who's trying to steal what God has come to do. The Lord came this morning to do some things in this place and are we discouraged? I was reading and reminded uh, if you ever watched the, uh, the, some of the cartoons of Charlie Brown, you, you know how, how he could get melancholy quite a bit. And Lucy was all, has always been the one who seemed to steal the last hope he would ever have. And just as he was, you know, as he normally he would try to kick the football, she pulls it out the last minute just so he'd fall. And we all expect it. We love watching that. I remember growing up watching that. And I, there was one particular ep episode where he's talking to her, and she's got her sign up on her little table, and it's five cents for uh, advice. 
She's sitting there at the table and she's giving sage wisdom for five cents. So Charlie Brown comes and sits down and he's discouraged. And he says to her, Lucy, I'm telling you what, said I, everybody hates my guts, Lucy. Everybody hates my guts. I don't know what I'm even living for. I can't stand it anymore. And he looks up and a plane's flying by and he says, you see that plane, Lucy? That plane is full of people going somewhere else. Maybe I should go somewhere else. Lucy, what do you think? Should I go somewhere else and start all over again and maybe get a fresh start? She looked at him and said, Charlie Brown, forget it. Said, if you do that, when you get there, as soon as they get to know you, you'll be right back in the same boat again. She knew how to give words of encouragement, didn't she? Sometimes we, our discouragement can not only steal from us, but it can steal from someone else around us. You know, I was thinking about that crowd. There, it says there were many people there. There was people that probably didn't remember him, and they were there, and they were listening to these words of encouragement, and their hearts were burning, just like those that was on the road to Emmaus, these two men that was walking with him on the road to Emmaus, and, and Jesus was talking to them, and when they finally understood, they, they, could, they didn't want it. He was going to go on, and they thought, please, come into the house with us. You've got to talk to some more, because their hearts were burning, and they got in there, and when he prayed, they had him pray, break the bread and pray, and when he prayed, their eyes were open. They was like, you know what? When Jesus prayed, they knew who he was there was just something different when he talked or when he prayed something was different and they said didn't our hearts burn within us when he was talking and so there was people in this crowd that their hearts were no doubt burning because they knew these are words of life something different about this man but they started hearing the discouraging words they started hearing other people that was putting him down and what they were saying was well, where is he getting all this wisdom from he didn't see it at the feet of a rabbi where, we remember you. Where is all this knowledge and where is these things that you're saying coming from? And how are you able to do all these miracles? They'd heard what he had been able to do. How, what power are you able to do all these things? And they could see they'd already heard, they'd heard that he could do it. They had heard and their, their hearts burned because of what they heard. But they discounted what he was able to do and, they, and it cost them. You know there is people that was in that crowd when they started hearing that discouraging report that all of a sudden their faith died. And the same Lord that came in, walked away, and they didn't receive the miracle that God had come and given them. Why? Because of others' discouragement. We talked about a little bit Wednesday night about the spies, the 12 spies that went into Canaan. And because of the 10 evil report, the 10's evil report, two came out and said, we can take it. They had their eyes on God. Ten came out and said, we can't. And because of the discouraging report of those ten men, a whole generation died in that wilderness when God had already given them the victory. God's plan was for them to walk right in to, to take that land. And because of them listening to the discouraging report of others, they said that, that whole generation, 40 and above, died in that wilderness. I don't want to be that person that's discouraging others. I want to be the one that says, you know what? It's not based on what I can see with these eyes. I, it's not what I can see. It's what I know. It's the, it's the spirit that I identify in my heart. I know God is speaking to me. He can do mighty things. And I put my trust in Him. I put my confidence in Him. So we cannot receive if we discount him we cannot receive what he has for us today if we dishonor him but not recognizing who he is and what he can do we cannot receive if we get discouraged or we let someone else 
discourage us. And then finally, the amazing thing was, was they disbelieved. They had disbelief. And it says in verse 5, and he could do no mighty work. He couldn't. He could not do anything for them. Why is that? Is this not God? Yes, it is. Can he do anything? Yes, he is. But when to receive anything you will receive from God comes through one thing, one word, faith. And they didn't have faith. In fact, we see that without faith, we can't even please God. We can't make, we can't do it. In Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God wants you to put your faith and confidence in him. And if you don't do that, we miss out on what God has for us. Do you know that also that without faith you can't even be saved? No. It says in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved, how? Through faith. That's all we've got to do. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Faith is such an important thing, and they were lacking it. They had been so accustomed to him. In fact, if you look and see where this is, his own family was in the crowd. His own extended family, his own household was in the crowd, and they couldn't accept who he is. They knew the story of the way he was born. They knew the way it was born. And supposedly this was a, a divine thing that his mother, that Joseph never knew her and she had this son by God and he was to be the Messiah. But they had grown up and their hearts had gotten hardened and they couldn't accept it. This unbelief is so powerful. In fact, this word that Jesus uses here and when it says that, uh, that he, um, when it says that, he, in verse 6, in verse 6 and says, He marveled because of their unbelief. That word uh, unbelief there it, it, that he marveled about is thalmazo. And it's in the New Testament 47 times. But here's what's significant about it. By the way, it means utterly amazed. And Jesus used it several times in his, when he was in his ministry and most, almost every, in fact, every time that he used that word when he was talking about him being amazed, it was because of great faith. He talks about, he uses this word when he is talking about the centurion who says, you don't even have to, you don't even have to come to my house. Lord, I know I'm a man of authority. All you've got to do is just say the word. Hey, I live five miles from here. You don't have to take another step. You just say that my servant's healed. He's healed. Jesus said, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm thalmazo. I'm amazed at your faith. Jesus said, he's healed. And that very hour, he was healed. This same exact uh, word was used when Jesus was talking to the Seraphonician woman who was pleading for her daughter. And she wouldn't give up. And she he kept trying to push her back and, and testing her faith. And, and in fact, she finally says, Lord, even the, even the dogs gets the crumbs. Even, Lord, just give me a morsel. All I want is a morsel. And he was amazed. Thalmazo. He was amazed at her belief, her faith. But this is the only time Jesus uses this word as unbelief. He was amazed. 
He was utterly amazed, not at their belief, but their unbelief. Do you know what's so sad about this story? If you look, I don't see that he ever comes back to Nazareth. This was their only opportunity. Jesus, the Son of God, was there in their midst. He was there with all power. He had just come from doing one miracle after another. He comes to his own family. And would he do more? Would he not do more for his own family than anyone else? Would he not love? Would he not meet every need? He wouldn't have left the door until every need. There's people in that room that had Parkinson's. There's people in that room that probably had a cancer. There's people in that room that was humped over, with, with, that was deformed. There was people in that room that had some disease that they were barely making. It. There was people that was blind. There was people whose lives were wrecked. There was sin that people needed set free from. And he came through the door and the same Jesus could have met every need. Just like he can do right here in this place today. And there was people that walked away because they could not believe. It wasn't him. It was them. I, there's a couple of quotes I want you to see. F.B. Myers, a wonderful writer, says about unbelief. Unbelief puts our circumstance between us and God. But faith puts God between us and our circumstance. It's do you believe? Yes. Andrew Murray, an amazing writer, preacher of old, says, beware in your prayers above everything else of limiting God. Not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what he can do. Expect unexpected things above all that we ask or think. Each time before you intercede, be quiet first. And worship God in his glory. Think of what he can do and how he delights to hear the prayers of his redeemed people. Think of your place and privilege in Christ and expect great things. Yes. Don't limit God's what he's saying. Do not limit God. He can do more than we ask or think. This is not up there, but just this is real short. This is a little, little poem that says faith and doubt. It says doubt sees the obstacles. I knew Paul would like this. Doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step. Faith soars on high. Doubt questions, who believes? Faith answers, I. Faith yes. is the key. Faith is the key to receiving what God has for you. Can we trust Him? And as we close, I, I couldn't just leave it on those negatives because, you know, I was looking at that. I was like, Lord, that's depressing. Because, but it killed me because I was thinking, Lord, this, this chapter should have been so different. This chapter should have been one list of a miracle after another because you were home. If you go to your house, there, you, you'd do anything for your family. You'd go above and beyond. It should have been a list of 12 miracles that he did right there in that house. But when he left... He was amazed. Jesus was shaking his head. I can't believe even my... He was hurt probably even more because this is his family and his friends. And they didn't even believe him. And so he was unlimited and unable to... So we see that they couldn't receive because they discounted him. They dishonored him. They were discouraged by him. They disbelieved him. What does he want us to do? He wants us to be desperate 
Abraham. You see, if you look back just two chapters, that woman I told you about, the woman with the issue of blood, what a powerful story. A woman who was dying, who had done everything in her power. She'd spent everything she had, and she latches on to that word that we're looking for today, faith. She latches on to it. How did she get it? I don't know. It doesn't tell how she received faith. But she'd heard about Jesus, and there he is. And she had tried everything else. And somehow when she seen him, she probably had heard him speak, no doubt. She'd heard the words of life come from him, and faith rose up in her heart. And she said, that's who it is. That's the Messiah. There's my, there's my healing right there. And we said, she, didn't, she didn't call for him to stop. She says, and you, you see this humility that comes over him that didn't come over his family. This humility that says, I'm not even going to stop him. I'm going to interrupt him. I'm just going to try it if I can just touch him. And she could have came up. And she's weak. And she's sick. You can imagine, 12 years. She didn't come up and just touch him on the shoulder. You know what I think? I think she was looking at him, and I think she looked at him and said, I'm not worthy to touch him. I'm not worthy to touch him. You know what? I, the only thing I feel like I could be even close to remotely able to touch is that, that hem of his garment that's dragging the dust to the ground, that dirt that he's dragging on the hem of his garment that's filled with earthly dust. Maybe, maybe I could just touch that because that's the way I feel is dirt. And she humbly crawled up to him. And he's meeting other people. And other people are just wanting to see him. And they're talking to him. And they're thronging him. And she reaches out and she touches the hem of his garment. And when she does, whoosh, she feels it. Something happened. She knows it. Something's happened. And Jesus knows it. She received her miracle because she was desperate. Every one of those miracles, legion, desperate. Every need that Jesus was meeting, they were desperate. And so instead of these other things, if you want when he comes in the house, when he's here, he wants to minister to you today before you leave. And when, he, when you're here, if you want to touch him, we can sit there and say, okay, God, you come to me, you do whatever. But when God, we really want to get a hold of God, we get to that place where we say, God, let me be first. God, let me just reach out and touch you, God. I've got to have you, and I want you to move into me. But if we don't, we can still do what we've always done and we can just keep rejecting the miracle that God brings for us. I do not want him to look at me and say, I'm amazed because of your unbelief. Sometimes I know I'm there. God help me with my unbelief. As that man said for his son, Lord, help my unbelief. Because he will. He will. Let's stand this morning. As Priscilla would come and bow our heads. Lord, I come before you this morning, and God, I thank you, Lord, that your presence is here. And God, I thank you that, Lord, you are able to do more than Scripture says we can ask or even think. God, you're able to transform a life that is on its way to destruction and give us eternal life. Lord, that's the greatest miracle, that you can transform from death to life. Lord, that you're able to touch a body that, Lord, can be actually, Lord, you raised the dead. You, you, you healed the blind. You, Lord, you healed lepers. You, Lord, you're able to do more than we are able to ask and think. And God, I thank you, Lord. And God, I know that this morning you come ready to move and do some miraculous things even here, even in this church.
And God, the question is, is are we going to limit you? Are we going to say maybe another day? No, I don't think he's going to be able to do anything today. I've not, I've not seen anything that's going to... No, we've got to be able to trust you and of who you are and to glorify you and lift you up and God, and, and God that we would have a desperation in our heart. God, I pray that you do something miraculous today. God, I pray that, God, that as someone reaches out to you, that you transform their life. Almighty God, because you're able and you're willing. God, please, do what you come to do today. Don't let us. Let every single person walk out of here with what you came for them. God, that you brought for them. And God, saying maybe next time. Oh, Lord, don't let us have unbelief, but let faith rise up. Let faith rise up in this place. And I thank you for it. This morning, if you would just keep your heads bowed. Lord, the most important thing is that he can save. He can save. That's the most wondrous, transforming thing that happened in my life is the moment that he saved me. And all of a sudden, life filled me. And my heart was filled with joy. And I knew that I'd step from death into life. It was obvious to me. But he can do that today. And I don't know your circumstance, but this morning, no one's looking around but me. And if you would just be willing to say, pray for me, brother. Pray for me that God, I feel him dealing with my heart. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who to pray for. If you would just pray for me because I want what you're talking about. If you'll just pray for me. And I just want to just lift up your hand and put it back down. Just quickly put it up and back down so I'll know who to pray for this morning. Death unto life. Death unto life. Hallelujah. He's able. He's able. He's here. Hallelujah. 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 This morning is... Priscilla plays this morning. This altar is open. And for whatever, if you want, whatever you need in your life, that you would come to the front and say, Lord, I have faith. I, I want you to have your way. Almighty God, Lord, I choose, Lord, to believe. I, I, Lord, I need you. And I, Lord, I'm going to be at the front of the line. Lord, help my belief. Help my faith. And God, Lord, I need you. And God, I don't, I don't want to walk away, but Lord, what you have for me, I want to receive it. I want to receive what you have for me today. And I'm not going to leave without it. God, I'm not going to leave with unbelief, but I want to reach out that this altar would be filled with people who would be reaching out to God and saying, here I am, Lord. I need you. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. God, have your way in this place. The altar's open. Hallelujah. Oh, God, move in this place. Move with your mighty power, God. Move, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, right here. Oh, right here, God. We need you, Lord. We stand here, Lord, ready for you to move, ready for you to